Good morning, good morning, good morning. Awesome. Um, that was a little bit low energy for me. Let's try it again. Good morning. That's what I'm talking about. There we go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, y'all are stupid. I still love y'all, though. Um, stupid's not bad. I'm sorry for all the kids in here. Um, but one of the interesting things, uh, I bring greetings from Jackson, Mississippi. And um, my wife, Stephanie, says hello. And uh, Lydia, who is now four years old, says hello. And uh, we now have a little guy um, who's now seven months years old. We had in April. His name is Justin Peter Kofi Ayarabi Jones Fosu, the second. Yes, he's going to have an amazing time in kindergarten. And, um, you know, there's a couple of things that I've learned being in seminary. Um, you know, you, you go to seminary to learn and to grow in God's word. And so you, you think that the more, you know, you grow in the, the love of God and heart knowledge and head knowledge, that you will preach longer like Pastor Stan. Um, but you learn, you learn um, that as you're starting out and developing and growing, that um, you need to mature in your preaching. And so for today, I'll only preach for two hours, and then I'm joking. <laughs> but know that I hope that the, as we preach God's word, that it would be quick and powerful for us, um, but sustaining in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, and so I just, I would like to uh, jump into the scriptures and then we'll pray. Uh, if you would turn with me to John chapter 20, Gospel of John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31. For those who are using the Pew Bibles, um, it's page 907, 907, uh, for those using the Pew Bibles. John chapter 20, verse 24 through 31. Verses 24 through 31. Um, and before I read, um, before we pray, I want to set up the context for us so we can see what's, what's happening. You know, a lot of people call the Gospel of John um, a, a gospel that, that where John is trying to, to show and, and lead people to a faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, this is a, a gospel that, that shows both the humanity and the deity of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What we see happening right before this is the resurrection, um, that our Lord and Savior uh, was resurrected. He resurrected, and he first appeared to Mary Magdalene in the earlier chapters. Um, then he appeared to the disciples. And um, what some people have termed even this chapter, John chapter 20, is the ministry of a risen king. The ministry of a risen king. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this amazing day. You are awesome and wonderful, and we love you. God, we know that often we don't love you as we ought to. I know I don't, and we ask for your forgiveness. We ask that you would help us by your gracious hand to lead us to hearts that are full of you, minds that are thinking of you, and feet that are going for you, and places into people like refugees and Christians who are being persecuted and those by your biblical standards who are seeking mercy and justice. And we ask, Father God, that you would give us your grace and leading. God, I pray as I share your word, Father God, that you would speak clearly through me. Pray, Father, I pray that 
I would be faithful to the text, God, that I would preach Jesus Christ and that I would communicate clearly. God, I pray even in the midst of my faults that you would still use me to share your word. Open up our hearts, God, to receive a hope worth believing. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. John chapter 20, verses 24 through 31. Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands, and, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This concludes the reading of God's holy word. The focus or the topic for today is a hope worth believing, a hope worth believing. And it's interesting, as I was meditating and preparing this passage, one thing that I wanted to make very clear for all of us that's of extreme importance, that this message of a hope worth believing is not a message about the Baltimore Ravens. Too soon? Okay, all right. <laughs> This is not a message. This season is not a hope worth believing. No, sorry. <laughs> but there's a lot of things that we hope for, right? You know, there's a lot of things that we desire and hope. And, and you know, I, I just I, I think about my, my beautiful, precious daughter, Lydia, who's four years old, who is in the season that I call why. Yes, the parents got that. The why. Daddy, why is this happening? And, and, and why should I do that? Or, 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 Daddy, why do I need to go to sleep when you ask me to go to sleep? So many different whys. And, and as I, I think and pray about my daughter, Lydia, I, I start to, to hope for her. I hope that she can grow up and, and marry a young man who is nice, respectful. And I hope that she could get a job that she's able to provide. And she hopes she can... Stay at home if that's her desire, and homeschool if that's what they desire to do. I, I, I hope that she could go to a good school and, and, and do well in her grades, and I hope a lot of things for Lydia, you know? And all of us have hopes, don't we? You know, we, we have hopes. I mean, some of us, we're hoping that when our grades come out, that they will be good. 
Some of us are hoping about if we're kids, we're, we're hoping for Christmas that we'll get a good Christmas pe- present. Some of us who are adults are hoping that we get a good Christmas present. Right? <laughs> we're hoping. Some of us who are physically challenged with dancing hope that we can learn how to dab. Or nene and whip. We're hoping for different things. Some of us on our jobs are hoping for a bonus. <laughs> or are hoping maybe a promotion. And some are just hoping for this holiday and Christmas season to be around people who love them because they may have lost loved ones. There are different things that each and every single one of us may be hoping in. But I'm here to proclaim that this passage shows us that there is a hope worth believing. And this hope worth believing is seen in the the beauty of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And, and, And when we look at this, I mean, think about as we look at Thomas, and we see how he's challenged, and he says, unless this happens, I'll never believe. You know, and many of us, we also sometimes will hold the gospel hostage. Like, I won't believe, Lord, until I get this. Or, or, or God, I'm not going to believe, Father God, I'm not going to believe you're really real unless this happens. And a lot of times, we can be in the same position. We are like Thomas in many ways, who was sometimes called the doubtful disciple. We also doubt. And I believe this passage can give us encouragement and can give us life to why we have a hope worth believing. So I'm here to to share with you from this passage that we can hope in Christ Jesus first, because he gave us himself instead of despair. Second, because he gave us belief instead of doubt. And third, because he gave us life instead of death. As we see here in this passage, the first thing is that he gives us himself instead of despair. And so when you see 24 through 28, it says, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. You see here, clearly in Scripture, we, we, we see how, how God, through the Lord our Savior, gave himself instead of despair. Put yourself in Thomas's shoes. See for the moment. See how there was just chaos and confusion. You just spent three years with wonderful leader, Jesus, who gave his life, allowed himself to be crucified, and you're wondering, is the church going to continue and go on? 
You're wondering, how do we survive this? Our leader, our, our, the one who has led us, is, 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 is gone. Y'all, we, we face something not, not even remotely close, but in a principal perspective. At, at, at a church that I attend in Redeemer, we, our pastor transitioned and left to Miami. And many people in the church were wondering, are we going to continue? How will we go on? And I see here that, that our Lord and Savior in this place of waiting, Thomas is waiting. He says he will never believe. And think about this. Eight days later, the Lord appeared again. Eight days. Y'all, we don't even like to wait 24 hours for someone to respond to us. We post something on Facebook and we check it five minutes later, refresh. Did they like it? You know, we tweet out something and we're like, did it get retweeted? Somebody, somebody, please retweet. We, 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 we can't even wait for moments, but our Lord and Savior saw it fit for eight days later that he then reappeared to disciples and he spoke specifically to Thomas. He, he shows that he gives himself instead of despair. Thomas was in a place of despair. He didn't get to see what everybody else saw. You see, <laughs> I went to the best school in the nation, Morgan State University. Yes. And while at Morgan, I was active and involved in many different things. I was president of three campus organizations, started to, was involved in campus ministry. I mean, we had a great time. I was Mr. Morgan State University, and I really was it's a position. Um, and <laughs> you're like, are you just saying this? No, I really was, and one of the great perks of being Mr. Morgan is, is that during the football games, I was able to go onto the football field. And I was one of the ones, like in college, I didn't own a pair of jeans. I just had like one, actually didn't have one for like four years. Um, but I would run in like my dress pants and dress shoes and I'd have the Morgan flag and I'd just be running and, that, and every time we scored a, a touchdown I would run with the flag down the track like really fast and then do like a little hip and like you know and I would and everybody would look forward to Justin's kick running with the flag hoping that I would fall I think they were uh, but that I ran every single time we had a touchdown now I did not run often and, um, yeah. And for my years being there, while we played Towson University, that we lost all four years that I was there, 99 to 2003. And um, I remember being going uh, away. I was in ministry in Virginia, doing some work out there, and I remember my friends calling me 2004, saying, Justin, Justin, we beat Towson. And my first reaction was like, <laughs> why y'all joking? <laughs> no, no, it's, you're joking, right? I was like, no, I, I won't believe y'all. Y'all just pulling my chain, you know? I was like, I need to see a picture on somebody's phone that shows the scoreboard. I need to see some newscast that has highlighted the score. I need to see a smoke signal from the game that's telling me something. You know, I need to see something to believe. We won. And this is how we are. You know? But Jesus, he, he gave of himself 
instead of despair. Like, it, while my despair of us never winning against Towson was, 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 was incomparable to us, we are in despair first and foremost because of our sin. We're in despair that we don't deserve a Savior who first came as we celebrate Advent. Okay. See, it ties into to Simeon and Anna, where, where they, they hoped to see someone who would save Israel, who would save it. And it, I love what it says in Matthew, is that his name was Jesus because he would save his people from their sins. We have a, a, a Savior who gives of himself instead of giving us despair. See, and what I love that he does is when he sees, he's already saw the disciples. They've waited. He's waited eight days. There's still some little confusion. He comes back. He says, peace be with you. See, sometimes in, our, in some of the Christian traditions, we can allow that to be a common term. So when I say peace be with you, other people say, also with you. So sometimes it loses its power as it relates into this passage. And when I, when I was reflecting on this passage, I initially just skipped over it because I saw it just like that. But think about what's happening in this time. Think about the despair, the confusion, the chaos that they're facing at this moment. And for the Lord and Savior, he already said it once when he first came to the disciples, that he now comes again and says, peace be with you. He's calming them and saying, guess what? I'm the Savior who reigns. See, our Lord and Savior first says that he is the peace that we need. He is the peace that, that surpasses all understanding as our minds are stayed on him, that he gives us the peace. And so as you're facing challenges and suffering and despair in this season, for some of us, you're wondering, am I going to have a job next year? You're wondering about, can I afford for school? Or you may even be wondering about, what will I get or will I get anything? I want to share with you that beyond all of that, Jesus is the peace that we need. He's the peace. He gives himself instead of despair. And not only is he the peace that we need, but he is the word that we need. See, many of us are searching, seeking for a word from the Lord, and he is here. He is here. He says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. See, he has given us of himself, and we don't have to wonder and worry. See, we have our Lord and Savior. This is not the complete totality. It even says it in verse 31 that it all could be contained in this book, but we have and we see here that he is a Savior worth believing. He, he is a hope that we can have. We can hope in Jesus Christ, and that is beautiful. But what does that look like for us? See, if we truly believe that he has given us this word for, to believe, then that should transition to us in valuing what he shares in his scriptures. Would you like a word from the Lord? He says, here you go. Every day we wake up praying that the Holy Spirit would give us a fervor and a, a desire for his word to see this as him speaking to us. 
because he chose to write these things through his mentors. Chose his word. He has given us himself instead of despair. And I love it because it speaks to the incarnation of Jesus Christ, a people waiting for a Savior. And we can look to and see that he is born. We can hope in Christ Jesus first because he gives us himself instead of despair. We can also hope in Christ Jesus because he gives us belief instead of doubt. See, when you look at verses 27 through 31, it states, Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. He gives us belief instead of doubt. See, what, I, what we see here is our Lord and Savior, when he knew that Thomas didn't believe. See, there wasn't a conversation at this time. Because of, of his, his godly re, uh, coming, he knew that Thomas struggled and suffered with death. So after he said, peace be with you to the disciples, he then came to Thomas and said to Thomas, you need to believe. See my scars. See, Jesus, in causing us to believe, he first shows us his scars. You know what's amazing to me? <laughs> when we look at this, he didn't say, look. You see, you remember when I turned water into wine? Oh, he didn't say that. You know, he didn't say, oh, you remember that time where I, I, I multiplied the, the fish and the loaves? He didn't say that. He, he didn't say, oh, you, you remember the time when, when I raised Lazarus from the dead? No, no. He said, look at the scars. Look at what I've done on your behalf, what I've sacrificed so that you may believe. And I pray, I encourage us that we would continue to look upon the scars of our Savior. That we see the scars in his hands, the nails were. That we see where he was pierced in his side for our transgressions. See, this is a hope worth believing. See, what I love that he says here is not only did he show his scars, but he encourages us in our faith. You, you see what, what he says right to Thomas. He gives and says, put your finger here. But he goes and says, do not disbelieve, but believe. Our Lord and Savior at this moment, in this particular moment in time, is encouraging Thomas to believe. He's encouraging his faith. Think about how long... Thomas spent with Jesus. Think about the duration, seeing the miracles, seeing everything happen, seeing all these things performed and done, and still at the end of the day, not believing. Could you still imagine for us how when we have not seen what Thomas saw, how we can still struggle with disbelief? 
how we can be a people. We're a smart people, intellectual people. So we may even struggle with we're a factual people. I'm a research kind of person. I, I'm at Hopkins. I have to see something in order to believe it. But our Lord and Savior, he has said, he has shown us that, guess what? Blessed are those who have not seen in what? See, this is the beauty that he gives us. He encourages us in our faith because it's not by factual evidence while while there is some. It's not by things that show on a painting or a sign on the windows or, or clouds that come by. It is only in faith in Jesus Christ that we can believe. It is given by grace. See, what I love about our Savior is that he's given us belief instead of doubt, and he hasn't just left us up to our own devices. He has given us the power of the Holy Spirit to continue to encourage us to believe in him and to know that he is the risen king. If Thomas could struggle with belief, and he spent three years with the Lord and Savior, We need to be humble enough and honest enough to talk about our own disbelief. Behind the masks of, oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. Behind the masks of everything's good. You know, I I remember one of my, the chair chair person for RTS, one of the things that he says, and I think he was quoting someone else, but that really stood out to me, He says one of the best decisions that he makes every single day is waking up and choosing to believe. Will you choose to believe this day that our Lord and Savior is risen and he is a hope worth believing? He has showed us his scars. He encourages our faith. You know, I I was just so blessed. Yesterday I got to speak at a a GED graduation for people who were getting their Maryland high school diploma at BCCC. And I had an amazing time. I spoke there about four years ago, and it was just awesome. It, It was inspiring to me just to hear the stories of homelessness, to hear the stories of those who have overcome addictions, to hear the story of of the woman who came up and said that not only was she homeless, not only has she been abused, but now she's getting her high school diploma, to talk to the the woman who said, I want to graduate and get my high school diploma before my grandchildren do. These were some powerful stories. But you know one of the most powerful stories I had was when I was, one of the leaders asked, hey, Justin, do you mind talking to this, this lady? After the graduation, I said, sure, absolutely. So we went off into the little area, and I just, I just said, tell me your journey. She started to tell me, you know, she was, I think, in her 50s. She said, Justin, I, I still struggle. I don't really know how to read. She said, I failed the GED pretest, and so I didn't get to graduate. And she said, but you know what, Justin, I'm not going to hide behind my failures. And you know what she said? You know what she said caused her to believe that she could go forward? It was not she was going to do this for her kids. It was not that she was going to do this for herself. She said, I choose to go forward because I believe I'm empowered by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. She said she would continue to persevere because of Jesus Christ. 
See, that was her testimony. That was what was causing her to believe. This is not a hope in ourselves, y'all. This is not that, that we could say, look and good how Justin is or how good Sarah is or how good other persons are. This is about believing in a Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, because of his scars and his own encouragement through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, this is a hope worth believing. It's beautiful. And not only can we Hope in Christ Jesus because he has given us himself instead of despair. Not only can we hope in Christ Jesus because he has given us belief instead of doubt, but we can hope in Christ Jesus because he has given us life instead of death. You see, it's so clear here in the scriptures where he says in verse 31, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Life instead of death. See, we are called to life by a risen king. See, I love as we focus on the beautiful birth of Jesus Christ. But I'm here to say that the birth by itself is not complete. That it takes the death and resurrection of our Lord and Savior to be who he was prophesied to be. It, it takes him and be us calling being called to life by him. You, you, you see, there is a beauty in life instead of death. Think about how we were dead in our trespasses, but could only be saved, could only be freed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not because we came to church more, not because we read our Bibles more, not because we talked to our neighbors more. And yes, I agree, we should serve the refugees, but it wasn't just because we did good works. It was because of the grace of our Lord and Savior that we would believe. This is a matter of life and death. We have it here that we would have life. And this is not about some best life now. It's not. This is not that you can have all your goals, success, success, and eat it too. This is an eternal life that means where will you spend your eternity? This is a matter of life and death. And we see it here. But how, how would that call us to respond? You see, see how Thomas responded? Do you see? One of the things that he said Soon as Christ said, do not disbelieve, but believe, Thomas' first response back was, my Lord and my God. My Lord and my God. Oh, a person who eight days before says, if I don't see, I will never believe, and that now is coming to a place of worshiping both the full humanity and the full deity of our Lord and Savior. See, this is a moment, a beautiful cause that we should have, that we should give to a Savior that says, I have given you life instead of death. We should lead, it should lead us to a place of worship. See, sometimes I think we get grace wrong. Sometimes we get it wrong. So I was sitting in class and we were talking about this because I realized I got grace wrong. See, sometimes we think of grace 
as unmerited favor. Have you heard that before? You know, it sounds good. It's getting something you don't deserve. That sounds really good. You know, and the professor put it like this. It's like going into a toy store with his son and grabbing, you know, leaving the toy store. His son didn't earn any money, didn't deserve it, but he comes out and he brings him a toy. He said, no, 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 that's not grace. That's God's goodness. Grace is demerited favor. It's getting the exact opposite of what we do deserve. The difference is, you go into the same toy store, the child wrecks the toy store, spits on everything, goes into the corner, urinates on the carpet, throws on the toy, cusses out the person at the, the desk, and the father still comes out with a toy and says, here you go. It's the exact opposite. So when we think about life and death, we deserve death. But our Savior has given us life. And that should lead us to a place of worship. Sometimes we as Christians, for those who are Christians here, can be complacent. And we can only think about what's next in my journey of faith. But one thing I love that the Savior does through Scripture is that he continues to remind us to remember. When Israel, he kept calling them to remember what I have done. Remember how I took you out of Egypt. Remember what I did. And I call us, and I'm asking for us by this word to remember what he did for us to give us life. He came, life incarnation. He said, I choose to die so that you and I could live. And that is a hope worth believing. It's worth believing. It's worth it. This passage shows that we would believe. You know what this verse 31 doesn't say? It doesn't say, but these are written so that you may get the best Christmas presents. It doesn't say, but these are written so that you would be happy and smiling all the time. It doesn't say that these things are written so that you would get that bonus or that promotion or even the grades that you wanted. It says, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. If you're not a Christian here, I encourage you to see that today is the day of salvation. To see the need to have a Savior that is willing to give you the exact opposite of what you deserve with this death, hell, and destruction. But he has come to give us life and life more abundantly. I pray that you would see the need, that you couldn't wash yourself and make yourselves clean, but that you would see the need for a Savior that is willing to do that. I know it's like Ripley's unbelievable. Believe it or not, guess what? Our Savior has died and he has resurrected on our behalf that we may have life and life in his name. We have something worth believing, y'all. Guess what this, guess what's here? My, my little daughter Lydia while she may never go to the schools I like, while she may never marry a young man not like me, while she 
may never go on and work or homeschool or work from home. I pray that she would believe in the name of Jesus Christ. That she would have life and life in his name. I pray that you and I would be encouraged by that. Would see the need to challenge even our own intellectually astute, factual minds. And we can call out when Jesus said, blessed are those who believe and have not seen. While we can look to his birth, we have a hope of his second coming. That he would return and call all those who he's called to himself to continue in eternity with him. That, my friends, is a hope worth believing. Let us pray. Gracious Father, you are beyond measure awesome. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your earned, your undeserved love. And we thank you, God, for your grace that you have given us, who you've called to yourself, the exact opposite of what we deserve. We confess our sins to you, that we are broken people in need of a Savior. And only by you and your grace alone do we have help in this life. Only by you and you alone, God, can we continue, God. You said, God, that man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord. And we are existing only by your breath. We thank you. We ask for you to help us to love you the way we should. We ask for you to help us to have hearts that love you, to have minds that think of you often, and to have feet that go for you. We love you, Father, and we need you as we prepare and celebrate for the symbolic nature of your birth, God. May we continue the line and see necessity of your death that we may have life. In Jesus Christ's name, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen.